alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. Welcome to the 55th annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody, and I'm joined by my pal, Phil. How are you? Doing uh, as well as expected, Cody. How about yourself? (laughs) Not doing too bad. You know, uh, what was funny, so yesterday it started uh, snowing out of nowhere, so I, I I don't know how the weather's treating you. It's uh, it's been pretty decent. It's pretty nice spring days the past couple days. Um, you know, it'd be awesome. You know, pool weather, going to the bar and watching uh, some basketball weather. But what are you gonna do yeah. if they? What are you gonna do if they have to like cancel the NCAA or whatever? Oh, you talking about football? Yeah, college football. That's your shit, dude. I'll be fucking disappointed as hell. That is gonna be absolutely god awful. I was, uh, before I hopped on to record today, I was reading through, uh, this forum thing and it said that the XFL has officially laid off all the employees. So I don't know if that means like it's dead, dead, or if it's just like temporarily dead. I, f- I did not hear that. Um, I know that they were having decent ratings and really good attendance and their attendance was actually starting to go back up from its initial numbers. So. If this didn't happen at all, I wonder how well of a season they would have had. But, I mean, I wonder if they expected to lay off all their employees anyway just to save money after the season was supposed to be over. I mean, I, that could be. Isn't, uh, I thought I read something else that uh, he he was releasing wrestlers now or something. Oh, Vince McMahon? Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I, they're not, they're not going to be having um, the, what is it, the live shows they're having these no audience shows right now. And I think that they're like pre-taping a lot of shit and they might be letting some baggage go. Mm. You know what? Uh, do you listen to crime and sports? I want to ask you quick. Uh, no, I don't. I've been told to numerous times <laughs> by you and a few other people. So they were, they did a, a, I wish I could remember the guy's name. He was Shawn Michaels, original tag team partner. Marty Giannetti. Yeah, they or- did. They yeah. Did, yeah, that's right. They did him, and man, I didn't realize what a fucking asshole Shawn Michaels is. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, before his injury and his eventual, like, coming to Jesus, like, literally, <laughs> he found Jesus yeah. and became less of an asshole. But there's <laughs> some people who even claim that he was an asshole after he found Jesus, so. I mean, I'm, it, sh- I'm sure he is. Yeah, you don't get to be the, like, caliber of fucking famous person like in their business without being like a Shawn Michaels level asshole though. So it's, it's not possible. Well, what about Bret Hart? He wasn't an asshole. Um, there's some people who think that he was an asshole. <laughs> 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 there's, there's, there's always people who are going to think, you know, someone's an asshole. I'm sure there's someone who thinks mother Teresa was a total bitch. Well, so. I think, I think she was though. I think she was oh, actually yeah. really mean to people. 
I would imagine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Probably but, a fucking prima donna. But if you're bored this weekend, I listened to the latest episode from this uh, last week about him. It's uh, I think it'd be right up your alley, especially all the wrestlers they talk about. I think you'd really like it. Yeah, definitely the whole pro wrestling thing. I'm not a huge fan of like what goes on in the ring necessarily. It's like the backstage shit that's like the most interesting stuff. Yeah, when you're like when you yeah. when you were visiting here one that one time we sat and watched like six of those fucking documentaries about the wrestlers. Man, those were good. Yeah, they're really fucking interesting. Like the weird thing is like the the stupid like weird characters that they portrayed like back in the 80s were nowhere near as interesting as like the real people who played them. Like no. Jake the Snake Roberts and oh like a lot God. of those guys. Oh my God, he's a fucking, Jesus, he's a mess. Ain't yeah, he? that guy is like a fucking human drug dispensary. Like, <laughs> he just he just takes it all in. Well, he 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 had a really bad uh, childhood and all that too. Yeah, so, but, uh, definitely. He's he, the one that turned his life around too, though. He did, he did. Yeah. He he taught us meth is whack, people. Don't do it. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. uh let's let's hear from Madam Bennett's in uh the March tenth, nineteen eighty one issue of the Weekly World News. Now, um her one of her headlines here is, is uh Soldiers Find Dracula's Grave, which is pretty awesome actually. Young American soldiers are confident that they found the grave of Count Dracula, the Vampire King, in Germany. And the GIs regularly go to the strange, ghostly decorated tomb at Kitzingen at the at night in hopes of uh, seeing the Count. The tomb, decorated with bats and skulls, is supposed to contain the remains of several members of the Harold family who were buried hundreds of years ago but some experts believe it is the burial site of Count Vlad, the man many people maintain was Count Dracula. So, uh, do they not know where his body is? I'm not exactly sure. He was most definitely a real person. Like, I'm pretty sure. But I don't think Transylvania was in Germany. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't need, well, maybe he died uh, in, well, it would have been hungry at that time, probably, right? I'm not exactly sure. You'd have to, uh, depends on what part of Germany they found him in. Mm. It was all split up back then into little states, though. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure, uh, Vlad the Impaler was a real person, but I, I would have assumed since he was so, you know, a leader or whatever, they would know where they buried him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's the one who, like, led the charge against the uh, the Muslims coming into Eastern Europe. Mm, yeah, probably. Although I have heard rumors that uh, they just made him sound worse than he was because he was just the enemy or whatever, and the victors or whatever write history. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, there's also propaganda. You yeah. want your enemies to think that you are coming up against the literal devil. Yeah. So. All right. Uh now, hopefully Amazon releases this. It's called Device Lets You Talk from the Grave, okay? Oh, I thought you were talking about all of their fucking indentured servants right now. <laughs> Look, any Amazon workers right now, I am so sorry because that CEO, Bezos, is confirmed to be a fucking prick. Oh, yeah, definitely a friend of fucking ben of uh, Sotero. Oh, God. Anyway, uh, 
Inventors have devised a $10,000 solar-powered device that will enable you to communicate to friends and relatives at your gravesite. The incredible device is a modified tape recorder on which a person can tape 90 minutes of messages, says engineer Stanley Zelensky <laughs> 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 of Sunnyville, California. Man, when this guy hears about Wi-Fi, it's going to blow his fucking world, man. Jesus. Oh, yeah, definitely. Or even a CD. <laughs> Man. So anyway, then after the person's death, the device is installed in his tombstone. Select survivors can visit the grave and receive the message if they punch in the proper code of the device. So actually, that's kind of nice, right? Oh, yeah. I would definitely leave messages for all of my enemies. <laughs> Hell yeah. Just tell I them just to kiss my ass. I would tell them just I just put the code on the thing so they can keep pushing it. <laughs> I'm coming after error, you, boy. Have it just be an error message yeah. that tells them they're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of neat. I wonder if, how many people actually did that. I don't know. If they did, are they still working? That'd be amazing. That would be. Uh, if if anybody out there knows if their relatives have one of these, uh, let us know because it's uh, kind of interesting. Oh, yeah, definitely. All It'd right. be great. <laughs> Uh, before we get to the conspiracy or the story this week, let's uh, hear Madam Bennett's prediction of uh, for this week. The worst eruption yet of Mount St. Helens will occur at 2.37 a.m. on July 23rd, 1981, and two scientists trapped near the volcano will miraculously survive. Uh, when did Mount St. Hel Helens erupt? It was in the 90s, right? I'm just about to Google that. I think it was in the 90s, because I feel like you and I were in Catholic school when it happened. I'm pretty certain. Let me look that up. Because then you remember they interrupted, then Pierce Brosnan was on that movie, and then uh, Tommy Lee Jones was on that other movie, Dante's Peak, and the hell was oh. the other one called? Nope, this was, uh, you said 1981, correct? Yeah. This was one year after, uh, October 16, 2008, or, sorry. It happened in 1980. Okay, so May she, 18, May 18th, 1980. Okay, so she's saying, yes, it erupted, but it's going to happen again? You know that big thing that dominated the headlines a year ago? That's going to happen again. That's my next big uh, prediction. Well, okay, so far, Madam Bennett's about, let's see, how long many episodes have we been doing this? She's 0 for 15, so... And she's spitting out a new, yeah. new uh, prediction every single week, so... Hold on, one of these days you're yeah. going to get something, okay? Either Madam Bennett is fucking this up, or the three fucking shills that are working in that small <laughs> room at the newspaper are fucking this up. Uh, I again say, that would be a great job. I would love to just make shit up all day. Oh yeah, hell yeah. I was uh, actually watching a YouTube video yesterday. It was a guy, he was a police officer, and his job was to try to catch predators on online games, so... He would have to just play online games and try to catch <laughs> predators. He just fucking plays all the games. That'd be great if he like started speaking like a 14-year-old kid, but like when in his adult cop voice, just talking shit to all these kids. <laughs> I guess he was pretending to be a like 14-year-old girl to like lure out pedophiles. Ugh. Anyway, uh why don't you take the reins from here. Take us on a journey, Phil. All right, Cody. Have you ever heard of the Millerites? 
and the Great Disappointment? Uh, I I have actually. I don't know that right. much about him, but I've heard about him. All right. Well, that is uh, what I'm going to talk about today is uh, a little bit of end of the world stories. Hell so yeah. <laughs> it's not much of a conspiracy once again, but I kind of feel like this is relevant for today's life. Oh, yeah. I yeah, want, definitely. Do you think um, through the coronavirus cults are popping up as we speak? Uh, I'm not sure about cults for the coronavirus, but I know that... Uh, like hate groups are on the rise right now, but I imagine that cults are soon to follow. I wonder if there's actually going to be people who flog themselves like during the Great Plague. Oh, I mean, I could see it. You know what's actually funny? You bring that up about hate groups. I was uh, listening to one of my new favorite crazy, uh, crazy religion podcast guys, and he claims that neo Nazis are weaponizing the coronavirus to take out uh, black people. I don't know okay. if they, I well I'm like how would they do that because they'd be making themselves sick to do that. I he I, like I said I think he's a little crazy. Uh he also said it's the mark of the beast so there's that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's just trying to a lot of those guys just kind of throw things like darts at the fucking board just trying <laughs> to catch some numbers. So anyway, tell us about these millerites. So the Millerites were followers of a Baptist lay preacher, William Miller, who believed that the end of the world would occur between 1843 and 1844. Okay. Now, Miller's teachings were taken as prophecy by the Millerites, who prepared themselves for what he claimed would be the second coming of Jesus, also known as the Advent. Mm -hmm. Always with the uh, second coming, coming of Jesus, but he, he is yet to arrive. Yeah, it's always kind of weird that the second coming of Jesus is always met by fire and destruction. I never quite got that. Like, <laughs> they're always so happy about this. And then they're like, well, what happens when Jesus comes? And they're like, well, all of you motherfuckers are going to get destroyed <laughs> by raining fire and destruction. I, th I feel like in their mind, they want a world where it's just their religion and nobody else. Yeah, I think they would think that was ideal. No one to disagree with them. <laughs> of course, of course. Then who would they hate? You know, I was gonna say the the hate them projecting people doubting them is what keeps their followers in line or whatever. So without that, what are they gonna do? Without that bit of self righteousness. Yep. So William Miller was born in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, on February fifteenth, seventeen eighty two. His family moved to Lowhampton, New York, when he was four years old, and he was homeschooled until the age of nine. Even though he only went to school at the age of nine, he was from a privileged background and had access to various libraries, and claimed to still read widely and voraciously after his formal education ended at the age of 18. He wore many hats in his early years, being elected to numerous offices including Deputy Sheriff, Justice of the Peace, and the Office of Constable. However, his main job, which he started after he married his wife, Lucy Smith, in 1803, was of a simple farmer. And that is when he moved to Pulteney, Vermont, which was her hometown, in 1803. Okay. All right. So this guy, so far, he's not so bad. Sheriff, no, farmer, no. he's pretty smart for the time. He's doing all right. Yeah. For the time, he's very well read. He's from a pretty... Middle income at the time they would have been considered pretty well off for their area, so I'm um, he's you know had a pretty decent start in life for the okay. time. Okay, 
And you know how yeah. you tell if you're doing well at the time, you can have uh, more than just potatoes for dinner. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what are we eating tonight, Ma? Tomatoes. <laughs> all right. That's all we had last week, too. But It's all right. So, yeah. <laughs> so Miller was commissioned in the Vermont militia in 1810 as lieutenant and fought in the War of 1812. First seen action at the Battle of Pittsburgh, oh, which oh. is important. Yeah, definitely oh, Pittsburgh. So wait, is this I, guy responsible for Pittsburgh even existing? Well, the Americans did win this battle. So apparently the British couldn't quite do the job, I'm guessing. <laughs> but, little, little, a little disappointing. but So this is important to the story because during the battle, a shell dropped just feet from where he was standing injuring three of his men and killing another. After this event, Miller changed his entire outlook on God, believing that him not having suffering any injury during the explosion was from divine intervention. And this was at odds with his uh, currently held belief system that God was more of a distant type of deity and did not interact with humans on earth. feel like that's an early 1800s atheist right there. His first belief, you can't just not believe in God, but you have like a really distant relationship with him. Yeah, you can't just say there is no God. You have to be <laughs> like, no, no, because there's humans and earth and animals, there must be a God. However, it's more of a distant God who doesn't really <laughs> deal with us that much. You know? He's kind of a deadbeat dad in that situation. <laughs> I right? hate to... I hate to break it to this guy, but I think he's been distant for since for the last 200 years or whatever, sir. So, yeah, not much has changed. <laughs> yeah. So during his upbringing, Miller shunned his family's Baptist background and picked up the beliefs of the men that he had read during his childhood. David Hume, Thomas Paine, Ethan Allen and Voltaire, all of them believers in deism, which is the belief that God is a distant deity and not really... Uh, responsible for any kind of revelation that most religions have. Ethan Allen, as in, like, is that is that a paint? I think that's a paint store now, or it's a paint brand. Yeah, that is. A, I believe that is a paint <laughs> brand. <laughs> he was also, pretty popular writer. So before okay. that, <laughs> so yeah, as I said before, deism put plainly states that there is a creator, though he does not interact with humans, and that the proof of the creator is the physical universe around us. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, so this near-death experience completely changed Miller's outlook, making him believe that not only did God save him, but God must have saved him for a reason, for some divine purpose. And of course, this is a very common belief among cult and religious leaders. Oh yeah. To be fair, we can't really blame him. You're sitting there, your comrades, you see them get blown to bits. And you're fine. You know, it might, it, might fl it might flip something in your head a little bit. Yeah. What was that movie about Hitler almost being assassinated by that bomb? Oh, uh, Inglorious Bastards? Not Inglorious Bastards. No, it was, uh, it was a more serious movie than that. It was <laughs> um, The Valkyrie or something like that. Oh, where the Tom Cruise one. Yeah, Tom Cruise movie. Basically, there was a bomb put underneath the conference room table. And because of where Hitler was sitting and because of how large the table was, he was saved from being blown up. If the person who had dropped the bomb had set it next to Hitler, it would have blown his legs completely off and killed him. Wow, okay. Um, yeah. you, you've seen Casino, right? Yes, I've seen Casino. 
So that uh, that's a real guy. What was it? They tried to blow up his car, but it just so happened that model of Cadillac had like a steel plate underneath the the, the seat. Dr- yeah, and it's like that's the only thing that saved his life. But he didn't start a cult, as far as I know. Yeah, he just kept on uh, running numbers for Vegas and trying to figure out who would win football games. Yeah, he. What I think he did step away from the mob life. Oh yeah, definitely after that point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think in the movie he moved to Florida, but yeah. Mm. But yeah, so definitely that near-death experience really kind of kickstarted this whole situation. So after discharge from the military in 1815, he moved his family back to Lowhampton, New York, where his family had moved when he was four years old, from, uh, from what I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And William Miller's beliefs slowly changed back from deism to his Baptist roots. And this was to a belief that included the revelation and the belief basically that God interacts with humans and, you know, okay, basically what most, you know religious people believe so you think at this time the baptist belief was it still the fire and brimstone version well i'm not exactly sure like there's a lot of different branches of baptist and Mm. protestant obviously so i'm not exactly sure like what specific church how do i put this what his church's beliefs were but he definitely went back to more of a baptist okay all right yeah system of beliefs so in 1816 his deist friends that he had had previously challenged him on his beliefs, and he sought an argument for his beliefs in the Bible. Well, obviously, where you would try to find it. has got all shit. the answers, baby. Definitely. Written by God himself. <laughs> Only the Old Testament, not the new one. Yep, and it was a long time ago, so it was on his Apple too. Seriously, though, like, the joke about... That being the whatever his old belief being the old the old-timey versions of an atheist... Him having an argument now that he's a Baptist with those people is the prime example of an atheist arguing with a religious person. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you I imagine back then, if you claim to be a total atheist, you would probably be shunned from society and might be beaten or fucking hung. Oh, I'm sure I'm sure you'd be called a witch. Oh, yeah, definitely something at the Well, I mean, I say this at the time, really religious people couldn't stand someone if you were like a different religion yeah we hate you but it's not as bad as being an atheist i'm pretty sure that still Mm, goes today right miller spent the next two years pouring over the scripture until the year 1818 this is when he claimed to have found a prophecy in the book of daniel now this prophecy was that jesus would return in 25 years in some time between 1843 and 1844 and of course, conveniently, right in his lifetime. Mm, yeah, that's that's how it works. I I just envision him like he's scouring this whole Bible, and he just points as like, "All right, here it is. I found it." Like, you think he like celebrated, or he's like had a revelation in his mind, or like, what do you think? What do you think he did? I don't know. Maybe after a year and a half of like just looking over this shit, trying to find something, he's like, "Oh, you know, fuck it. Here's a good one right there." it's actually kind of like what we did before uh when we started this we used to kind of make up our own little fun conspiracies he did this mostly with bible verses where he just takes a bunch of random bible verses like creams them together and then makes something that he thinks is moderately coherent out of it 
kind of turned it into a not only like a justification for his belief system, but this revelation that he had. The uh, that crazy guy podcast I was talking about earlier in the show, he does the exact same thing. It'll be like some event, and he'll be like, "Oh." And it says this in the scripture, and then he reads it, and it's like, okay, I don't see the connection, but okay, sir. Yeah, basically, you read some of these scriptures, and with context, you can see what they're talking about. However, if they started with the Bible verse and then told you what you thought it, what they thought it was, like before they told you what they thought it was, you'd have no fucking idea what no. to make of it. No, I these people, they always got to answer for everything. Definitely. It's kind of a trope of charlatans, really. <laughs> so some of the verses that he took these from were uh, Daniel 8.14, unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. So and that's one of the, the big one that he took. With well, the, the 2,300 is the most important part. So how did he get 25 years out of that? Well, that's kind of... Uh, what I'm going to go into in a tiny bit. Okay. So Miller claimed that all the Bible verses were important and used many different verses to formulate his prophecy, including Ezekiel 4, 6, Numbers 13, 34, and 2 Peter 3, 7. Mm -hmm. So about the turning the 2300 days into when he thought the end of the world would be in 25 years. So he took that 2,300 days and made the claim that Daniel actually meant 2,300 years, which Miller had decided started in 457 BCE. And this was when the order to rebuild Jerusalem had been given by Artaxerxes I. Miller claimed that the earth would be cleansed with fire after Jesus returned. Okay. So, All right. So he just kind of plug and playing his own dates more or less to fit what he wants to say in his cult or whatever. Yeah, basically um, the day year principle, which is kind of where he got the 2300 years, which came from the 2300 days uh, was a principle that believers in biblical philosophy all kind of shared. And that's when the Bible talks about timeframes and days. They think it actually means years. Mm, okay. All right. So I guess it fits what he's like. You know what I mean? I guess it's fitting his narrative. Yeah, definitely. He took the 2300 days and said, oh, that must be years. So it's been a long time since. And then he just went out and picked some fucking, you know, important date. <laughs> said, Oh, yeah, it's going to be right around this time. Okay. How come the uh, Bible never says like what? location jesus is gonna respawn from you know what i mean it, like where's he gonna pop up at so there is actually a few different verses that the uh, modern day adventists use to try to tell us that humans won't actually know like when god or jesus's return is gonna happen <laughs> oh like humans won't know it only god will so they really don't give specific dates or times but there are like some people who will try to say like oh he's he's coming back at megiddo or he's, you know, coming back at this certain time. Uh, they'll give like like seven years after some important event, you know. Mm. So, yeah, they know. they I always feel like it's the uh, the Antichrist comes first and then Jesus comes second. Right. Yeah, pretty much. The Antichrist comes first to deceive everyone into thinking he is Jesus. And then the real Jesus comes and. 
I'm guessing he sides with the atheists because you would assume that all of the, you know, Christians who bought in were on the side of the Antichrist. <laughs> that's true. Hey, that's a valid point. Yeah. Which you would think it's kind of weird to think that when G Je- like if Jesus did and was real and came back, he would be fighting against the well, I suppose it'd be the Christians who didn't believe that the Antichrist was Christ and then the atheists. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, but I feel like Jesus would be like, Well, you thought you were following me, so I won't kill you. That's not what the fucking uh, <laughs> the Bible says. <laughs> it talks about like the word of God being used as a weapon. And the picture of it is literally like a sword coming out of Jesus' mouth. Hell yeah. That <laughs> like, sounds... it's, a, it's a weapon. <laughs> that sounds pretty metal, actually. Do you remember the movie Dogma? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> when uh, When she just starts talking and then all of a sudden, like, was it Matt Damon's head exploded? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Because... Uh... He can't handle her voice or something. Yeah, well, he cut off his wings, so he became... No, it was Matt Damon. He cut off his wings and became human, so... Mm, yep, 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 yep. I remember that now. He got his head blown off. Yeah, <laughs> great movie. It is. Documentary, of course. Yeah, documentary, obviously. Now, for years, Miller kept this discovery to himself, but claimed that in 1828, he felt an inward call to tell people about his discovery. William would later write that, I tried to excuse myself. I told the Lord that I was not used to speaking, that I was slow of speech and slow of tongue, but I could get no relief. So it's a pretty good humble brag. Yeah, yeah, it is. Wow. Okay. That or yeah. he was uh, in desperate need of money. I'm, I'm going to go with the latter. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Lost some bad investments, had a few bad bets. Maybe his yeah. wife started fucking shopping on Amazon. <laughs> So he started telling friends and family about his discovery in 1831, and when asked to discuss his views at a church nearby, he found out that he could in fact speak very eloquently when presenting this particular topic. So obviously it's a gift from God. I, uh, I'm i just envisioning, he he's over at his family's house, they're having beet soup or something, he's like, <laughs> man, guys, I got this shit to tell you right now. God's been talking to me. I figured I've decoded the Bible. I figured it out and I know exactly what's going on. They're just like, get the fuck out of here right now. Well, you know, Bill, it's just nice that you're not smoking the meth anymore. So just keep <laughs> going with whatever. <laughs> Were you smoking Uncle Willie's uh, <laughs> multi leaf plant outside? <laughs> yeah. Back then, it was probably the, uh, what was it, the snake oil salesman mm. selling the uh, miracle tonics that were basically just cocaine and alcohol mixed <laughs> together. <laughs> I think he's had a little bit of that. Yeah, definitely. So from this point, William really starts marketing himself, being invited to many churches in the local area, and even writing a book, which was titled Evidence from Scripture and History of the Second Coming of Christ, about the year 1843 and his thousand-year reign. Wow. So, quite a long title there, sir. Quite the fucking title. Yeah, definitely must have printed, pissed off the printers with that fucking uh, title there. See, I always, I would love to have one of these fuckers around right now and just let the internet trolls destroy them when they're try- they make YouTube videos about all this. Oh, yeah, just getting fucking hammered. That'd oh, be God. amazing. Oh, God, it'd be great. 
it would be like an awesome viral video for like three days. Then everyone forget about it. Hmm. And he would just go back into obscurity. <laughs> you know, the comments would be disabled on that video. Oh, definitely. <laughs> He's sitting there like making those videos <laughs> thinking, uh, oh, this is going to be great. Hmm. Everyone's going to jump on board. And then five minutes after the comments start pouring in, he just gets in there and clicks. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. <laughs> so Miller... Uh, gaining a lot of fame, also traveled to cities around the New England area, eventually meeting Joshua V. Himes, who was a Boston preacher and skilled publisher. Uh, he would become Miller's manager and publicist in 1838. Okay, so this guy probably is not a believer. He just wants to make money off of Oh, yeah, you're actually, you're correct. Okay. He really didn't become a believer until later on. He claimed to eventually get on board, but he was really there just to kind of push this guy forward. Mm, okay. Kind of like a campaign manager. I mean, everybody's got to be working at this time, so why not get in there? Oh, yeah, got to make bread some way. So Miller's ministry, known as the Millerites, grew and grew until January 1843. Uh, that was, of course, the prophesized year when Miller announced that the end of times would come. Mm, okay. So Miller claimed that the end of times would come in the year 1843. However, he used the Hebrew calendar year, which was from March 21st, 1843 to March 21st, 1844. So we were talking last week, we were trying to figure out when the start of the year yeah. happens. Yeah. So apparently the Hebrew calendar actually starts it the first day of spring in that year. Okay. All right. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder why they changed it. Yeah, I have no idea if this, I don't know if it's like the current, if there's like an old Hebrew calendar that isn't used anymore or like how this works, but I didn't really look too much into it. I just thought it was interesting because we were just talking about it last week. Hmm. I bet it's like confetti and champagne salesmen who, bribed him to move it to January 1st just so they, their sales go through the roof. Oh, all, yeah. All the New Year's <laughs> those, celebration. Those annoying little fucking things you blow into. Yeah. A gazoo, it's not a gazoo. I don't know what the hell those things are. Yeah. The little fucking annoying spinners. There's a lot of <laughs> annoying shit on New Year's actually come to think about it. <laughs> just stay in your the house. What's that? I said just stay in your house. It's <laughs> a lot easier. Oh, yeah, definitely. I do think I went to the bar this year, but normally I just... Just fucking sit at home and mm. <laughs> pass out by 1030. Okay, okay, go to like a nice, mature person's bar, not like a crazy college kid bar. I don't know which one you went to, but I hope it was the first one. Oh, it was a, it was a brewery. So yeah, there was a ah, lot of mature people there. Okay, perfect. Uh, yeah, only about half the people even realized that the new year had happened. So <laughs> it's it <was> very, <laughs> very adult. So Miller also stated... That should this prophesized date not bring the end of the world, his followers should keep their faith in the return and that Jesus will come on his own time. So he's kind of hedging his bets a little bit there at the okay. end. Okay. Jesus, he's not known for being on time. He's You're working around his schedule. Armageddon comes when Jesus says it comes. Let me tell you, Jesus, you know, he did like to dip into the communal wine a little bit, and sometimes he's a little hungover and he just doesn't show up to appointments. It's fine. He'll come eventually. <laughs> Mary Magdalene will not let him go out with his boys tonight. He's staying home. <laughs> Keeping them all fucking locked in the house, just like all of us right now. <laughs> yep. So in the time between 1840 and 1844, 
allegedly, now this is allegedly, they're not exactly sure how many numbers, but allegedly 100,000 Millerites actually sold all of their possessions and moved up into the mountains in anticipation of the second coming of Jesus. Ah, all right. There's step, there's step three and four for call to it. Well, he has, he has three of the major cornerstones. Doomsday, doomsday date, uh, getting all of your uh, parishioners' money, them selling basically everything they have to live with them, and now a cave compound, I guess? Yeah, I um, I saw it in a couple different places, though it's not really... Um, I didn't really have it confirmed, but apparently a lot of the people who sold all their possessions then donated their money to their local churches that they belonged to that were underneath this Millerite banner. Oh, oh okay. Well, I mean, it's still going into his pocket somehow. Yeah. I mean, William Miller wasn't exactly like, I don't know exactly. He was more of a prophet. He wasn't like the actual priest of these churches. All of these churches that kind of started up really had their own like reverend. But I imagine they listen to him, right? Like he. Oh yeah. No, this is, he's the, he's like their Pope type type guy. He's telling them, you know, he goes around, does, does his uh, little speeches, writes his books, you know, his publicist does shit for him. So Mm. it's definitely, yeah, he, they're under his banner. Okay. So he's, he's the Vince McMahon and all these other people are his wrestlers. Are yeah. They're like the bookers. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, exactly. So, like I said, the time frame for the end of the world was set at March 21st, 1843 to March 21st, 1844. After the date of March 21st, 1844 came and went, Miller was very disappointed, but he and the leaders of his movement decided that the initial date must have been wrong. Yeah. Even though Luke 1240 and Matthew 2436 states that no one except for God would know the date of his return. He then picked a new exact date. He set this date for October 22nd, 1844, saying that his followers were revived and that the numbers of followers grew even larger. So he's just moved back six months. Basically, yeah. There's a there's a couple different reasons, um, kind of like why he picked the new date. Uh, there was kind of a new revelation that he had. Basically... All of his followers kind of like really still held hope for this new date. So they all started buying in to the new date. I mean, again, there's number four. That's a big cult thing, too. You do have the doomsday prophecy, but you have to be able to shift it if you need to. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, no, it didn't happen today. Just push it back. Keep those donations coming in, kids. Just push uh, it back. I, I, I've forgotten the name of the documentary on Amazon, but man, this guy, he has a date too, and they're filming him when the apocalypse day is supposed to happen, and when it doesn't happen, same thing, the guy's like, oh, I'm, I just must have made a mistake, or God spared us for a little while longer, or whatever. His followers, completely unfazed. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Because they've already bought in. They're kind of, I don't mean to disparage any, you know, people out there, but they're kind of like mag, like the MAGA supporters when, you know, even when Trump does something that totally goes against what they believe in, they've already bought in. They yeah. can't go against it. Yeah, you got, then you'll be a hypocrite. So you gotta, you gotta stick with it. 
Yep. Even when you could totally have an out right at that situation, you just keep, you know, you keep your ass in the seat of that mm. train and it just keeps moving down the tracks. Well, I think another thing with cults is there's always that thought in their head of, but what if I leave now and he is right and then it happens then, then I'll be oh, screwed. Yeah. You know, it's always that like weird tinge of fear that hangs on to you. Be like, well, what, what if he is right? What if he just made a little mistake? Yeah, it's kind of funny whenever, like, talking to a religious person that's trying to convince me to, like, you know, become, like, a believer in God or whatever, they're always like, well, what if it, what if it's true? And then they look at you, like, all expectantly. It's like, well, what if it's fucking not? And they're just saying, like, it's like a hedge or bet argument. Yeah, it's, it's easy as cop out. Yeah, definitely. So, like I said, uh, even though he had read, obviously, he spent two years and then the rest of that time pouring over scripture. Uh, like I said before, Matthew 24, 36 is, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. And then Luke twelve forty is, Be ye therefore ready also. For the son of man cometh at an hour when ye think not. So even though he had like read the Bible, read those two verses, he still fucking picked the date. Like an exact date when this would all happen. Hmm. I mean, I wasn't getting any of that from those scriptures, but I guess I don't have the power. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I mean, since I've read so much about this, I look at those now and see what they mean. But I guess if you just are hearing them out of context, you don't really. Yeah. I was just thinking, what if, like, you're at a job where the employees send emails to each other and you just so happen to have, say, Luke worked for your company. He was three cubicles down from you. <laughs> And he sends you an email and it's typed out like that. Oh, hi. Oh, oh ye and all the, this cryptic <laughs> language. And you're like, Luke, what are you trying to tell me? And he just, it's just something like, can you submit your TPS reports or something? Yeah. Well, I mean, I have heard that the King's James Bible was written or recited or whatever you want to call it during the time of like when people wrote like William Shakespeare. So that's kind of why it's like this so originally who fucking knows what the real you know words were because that bible is long gone the real you know originals yeah i i don't know i'm just if you had to listen to somebody talking like that or writing you letters like that my god i think i saw a tv show once where somebody had like a brain injury and they were hearing everyone speaking like they were like in a romeo and juliet play like talking like this and that would be fucking annoying as hell. Oh, yeah. Ugh. No, couldn't do it. No, definitely. So when October 22nd, 1844, eventually came and went without any sign of the second coming of Jesus, <laughs> mo most of the Millerites completely gave up on the movement. And this event became known as the Great Disappointment. Mm, okay, I like the title, though. That's, that's oh, yeah, sweet. it's an awesome fucking name for this. Mm. So former believers had a really hard time returning to the uh, post-advent um, life that they held before this new belief system came into their, uh, their everyday. So partly this was because they had been expelled from their previous churches that they had belonged to. Some of them were even former ministers of those Protestant churches. You know what? Here's a life lesson. If you're going to leave something... Don't call them all stupid while you're going out the door. 
I can oh, just yeah, imagine. Oh, yeah, don't, bur- don't like, burn your bridges. They're, they're probably like, you morons. The world's going to end. Why are you sitting in this church listening to this cracker-ass motherfucker? Like, I don't know. They're just, you know, you got to be nice to them when you leave. Yeah, well, once again, like, kind of combining this with the, I don't mean to make fun of any Trump people really with this, but the the way that people treated, like, Trump supporters, mm. like, during and just after the election, like, everyone thought that, like, how could you vote for him? That's stupid. You're stupid. Blah, blah, blah. People treated the Miller Lights just like that. Yeah. I so mean, they treated them like they were fucking morons. Like, how could you go along with this? How could you, especially the ones who sold all their shit? Mm. I can, well, I can imagine before, when they're selling all their shit and taking off, they probably are in their minds being real snide, kind of like, oh, I know something you don't know, or I'm going to be yeah. saved and you're not. And All right, buddy. <laughs> oh, you'll see. You'll see when Big JC comes down. <laughs> I'm hanging out with him, and you're down in hell, going and just fucking yourself. Yeah, you'll see. <laughs> so the Millerites that decided to stick with the cause face horrendous ridicule by the public for their beliefs in the 2300 days prophecy and the return of Jesus. And I did read some really funny insults. Uh, they're old timey insults, so they, you know. Didn't really quite have the bite that like current day insults would have, but I could imagine the memes that would come out. Oh from yeah, that shit. It would be fucking awesome if that happened now. Mm. Only hipsters can decode those jokes. Oh yeah, definitely <laughs> with their old timey fucking typewriters. <laughs> yeah, in their cribbage games. <laughs> yeah. So some of the things that happened were actually really bad for the the Millerites who stayed on board. They were churches that were burned. Believers faced beatings in many cities, and there was even an instance of a group of people being tarred and feathered in Toronto. In Toronto? In Toronto. Jesus. Yeah, where, where all the nice Canadians live. Yeah. Jeez, that's not very nice of you guys. Uh, no. So, okay, they're getting beaten and all that by not their own religion, but by other people, correct? No, yeah, this is other people. Okay. We got... I had to ask because... <laughs> We know cults turn violent, so I didn't know if it was the cult turning violent or if it was just um, the other religious people beating him up. Yeah, this was, I mean, you had to imagine it was probably an assortment of, like, non-believers and former believers. But it was, yeah, it was non-church members beating the shit out of uh, people who were still on board with uh, Millerites, Mm. the Millerite movement. Gotcha. So, yeah, I don't know if you've ever heard of it like happening in the old times but tarring and feathering usually was accompanied by like a severe beating and the tarring they would use hot tar yep i uh uh that one cult leader i covered on uh bumblebutt podcast the sex cult guy they yeah. uh tar and feathered him mm, sounded painful oh yeah definitely like burning your skin and Ugh. then just insult to injury dumping feathers on you <laughs> it's not <laughs> It'd good be fucking terrible yeah So for the remaining believers, uh, their spirituality was broken, and in many cases, also their financial situation. Uh, Their next steps really did vary, some of them believing that the return was still happening, just that the date was wrong. And like a lot of the people who were leaders in the church that stayed would push the date back again and again. Uh, Like month after month, they would just keep pushing it back. Yeah, that's... It's what they do. What what I've learned from all these cults 
the best thing to do if you are going to make a cult is to make sure you're extremely vague with your doomsday date. Don't give it a definitive date. Give it like a uh, like a series of events has to happen for it to occur. It can't have a finite date on it. Yeah, and if you can't be sure if that date is actually going to be the end of the world, just make it the end of the world for your people. That's how the Heaven's Gate dude did it. Mm, yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, that. That's true. They they yeah. just decided to take it upon themselves. Yeah, it would be the end of the world for them. I guess the Jonestown did that too. But well, that was, was more of a like reactionary thing, and not like a premeditated like on this date we're all gonna fuck or kill ourselves. But he did he did have the doomsday predictions. Oh, he did have doomsday predictions also. Yeah, yeah, he did. But he was really vague about them. Like he didn't give a date or anything. He just said his were more of a uh, them against us. They're gonna kill us or whatever. So yeah. Well, and then the actions of him and his little group of, uh, like, his soldiers definitely would make you think that it is them against us. Because after, what was it? They shot, like, a senator or something, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. The senator came down to check on them to make sure they weren't being mistreated. And then uh, his little soldiers shot and killed them. And basically that set off the uh, mass suicide slash mass murder, really. Because he forced it on a lot of people, too, so. Yeah, and I heard that anyone who ran from that also got basically shot in the back. Yeah, so. Yeah, definitely. Pretty, pretty fucking uh, disgusting. But so getting back to this, uh, some of the believers kind of really thought, you know what? The date was wrong, but JC, he's going to show up any fucking day now. (laughs) So instead of like wanting to have like an actual definitive date, they just kind of sat around and waited for Jesus. Mm, okay. Not the best move, but uh, he's he hasn't showed up in what at this point? <laughs> 1800 and like 40 some years. So uh, they <laughs> might be waiting a while. He's like a deadbeat dad who hasn't returned from the store with his smokes in like three and a half years. But every day you just kind of sit out on that stoop. Just, yeah. Just waiting for him. That's, oh man, I had that vision in my head that's really sad. But <laughs> oh The, uh, that reminded me of, I don't know why, that Family Guy episode where George W. Bush runs in with his gun to Vietnam. He's like, all right, I'm here. Let's kick some ass. And they're like, George, the war's been over for 30 years. What? I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> I, I was really looking forward to this. Yeah. <laughs> I've got some Coke. <laughs> All right. Why didn't you say so? <laughs> you son of a bitch. Why didn't you tell me earlier? <laughs> <laughs> so some of them, uh, the people who were just kind of waiting day to day, stopped working entirely because of the belief that only those who didn't labor would be saved. Okay. That's a good excuse for not yeah. having a job, I suppose. Really good excuse for sitting around and playing fucking video games all day. <laughs> like, no, sweetie, I'm not lazy. I'm just waiting for Jesus to show up, and I don't want him to see me with dirty hands when he no. gets here. No, you definitely don't want that. Yeah, my work boots got to stay clean and in the corner. <laughs> and it's you all going to be fine. And you know how dirty everybody was back at this time, so if they were slightly cleaner, it was very obvious. Oh, yeah, that's true, too. I keep forgetting about that. <laughs> <laughs> So this also included some followers who acted like children. Not only did they not work, they just like, you know, played around like kids. And this was because of the Bible verse Mark 10, 15. 
And it goes, truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. So they even went a step further. Wow. Okay. All right. I, I, I guess, uh, sounds like something a pedophile would use. I don't know. Yeah. It's a little fucking weird. What's that, uh, that fucking weird porn where people dress up like babies, the, I don't know. I don't know if it has an official name, but I I think, (laughs) yes, there's adult people who uh, dress like babies and want to be taken care of or whatever. Fetish. That's the word I was looking for. I was trying to figure out the word in my mind, the word fetish, (laughs) the weird fetish porn that some people have where they dress up like babies. It kind of sounds like that shit. Mm, Could be. So for William Miller, the leader of the Millerites, he was completely devastated. He had put his entire reputation down on the October 22nd, 1844 date. He actually ended up dying five years later on December 20th, 1849, at the age of 67 years old. And he basically died, like, ridiculed and forgotten. Yeah. I mean, for that time, he lived a pretty long life. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, 67 years old. I mean, that was pretty much over the like expected age of a man to live. So he also, like I mentioned before, he was pretty well off. His farm did pretty well. And I'm guessing he was rolling in money from all of the dough he fucking pulled in. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, I, it seems like at least he was a believer to the end, right? He believed his own bullshit. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's it's hard to say with people because, I mean, con artists are really convincing. It's true. But it it seems like he never gave up on it. You know what I mean? Oh, like, no. Yeah. Some cult leaders will like when they're finally done, they're just done. They move on or die or whatever. But apparently he, he kept with it till the very end. Well, yeah, technically he did stick with it till the very end, like just until the October 22nd date of the Great Disappointment. He really I don't really think he was much a part of the movement after that. Uh, kind of his underlings, his lieutenants really picked it up from him, mm. but he didn't, uh, he didn't blow his brains out or, you know. Well, I uh, assume they were advising him for advice, right? I'm not exactly sure about that. It's kind of vague. The five years after the great disappointment until his death, there wasn't really much about him. It just kind of says he like got pushed off into obscurity. Huh. I mean, I guess he, Built up this giant uh, cult for, you know, whatever, religious movement, whatever you want to call it. And then it uh, came crashing down. So it's kind yeah. of the uh, the lifespan of a normal cult, usually. Uh, unless you're Scientology, that just apparently can't die. So, uh, yeah, this guy, I guess, I don't know. I don't know what he could have done. Maybe he really believed it. Maybe he didn't. I don't really know. Um, yeah. What do you think? The problem... Oh, the problem with like big expectations is you like really need something to happen. So it would have been if he would have just went a little bit lighter and said that some great change was going to happen. He could have then like made any of the big changes that happen all the time. Mm. And like, oh, he could have been like, that's it. Pointed out to something, (laughs) something that happened in the early 1840s and been like, oh, you see, you see, I told you guys. Just like I said, and then kind of molded the situation into what he said. That's what a good con artist would have done, I think. I I don't know for certain, but I feel like 
the Millerites are still around, but it's repackaged as something else. I don't. It is. I was. Oh, I was just about to say that. Oh yeah, yeah please do. So many churches sprouted from the Great Disappointment and the Millerite movement, and these included uh, – this is the largest one, actually – the Seventh-day Adventist Church, which was founded in 1863. And at the time of June 2016, they had over 19,500,000 baptized members, and this was not including the children of members. Jesus and think of yeah. all the cults that have uh, came out of that. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's the Davidians, the Branch Davidians. Branch mm-hmm. Davidians are famous for – that was Waco. Yep, yep. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Then there's like a lot of them that kind of sound the same. Seventh-day Adventist Reformed Church. There's like we mentioned the Davidians. The Davidian Seventh-day Adventist Association – Seventh-day Adventist Reform Movement, Branch Davidians, Church of God, Church of God and Saints of Christ. There's just a, a fucking long-ass list. Um, and then, I mean, the, the word Adventist kind of means it's a religion formed around like the like the coming of the, you know, second coming of Christ. Mm. So any any religion or church that bases its claim that someday Jesus Christ is going to return is technically like an Adventist church and came out of this Millerite church. Okay. Uh, I'm going to throw another one out there that I actually remember because we just covered it on Mumble Butt was the, uh, the Anhill kids were an Adventist or Seventh-day Adventist uh, branch or whatever. So there's another cult for you. That's uh, But that's crazy. For some reason, I was in my head. I thought the Miller or the Rosicrucians might be a branch of uh the millerites but I, I don't maybe that's something else yeah i have seen one of the other big ones um it's just weird that it's not on any of the lists but i was pretty sure that i had heard uh oh here it is so i was pretty sure that i had heard that the jehovah's witnesses were like a like a break off of this movement but they don't really claim to have come from the millerite like movement they claim to be like an adventist group but not of the millerites Mm, okay. Maybe they just stole his ideas and they don't want to give him credit or I don't I don't know. <laughs> They're worried about paying royalties. Yeah. What are they going to They're gonna... like the Scientologists. They just steal shit. <laughs> I mean, they probably did. Allegedly. A lot of these a lot of these religions at its core is you got God, you got Jesus and then you kind of just make an amalgamation of however you want to out of that. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, definitely. I was also kind of thinking this whole, like the Millerite movement, what came of that is this whole idea of like a second coming or kind of like a day or a certain moment when all of like the human souls on earth are going to go up into heaven. It's just such a perfect idea that just, cr- it's like a, it's like a cult factory. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I can agree with that. Yeah. It's pretty easy to weave your own tales off of it. Yeah. Yeah. You just take whatever bullshit you come up with and then add in, oh, and it'll lead to the second coming of Jesus. And everyone's like, oh, sold, you know? Right. Well, anyway, Phil, um, if someone wants to contact us about their date that Jesus is coming back, where can they do that? They can hit us up on subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram at subliminaldeceptionpodcast on IG. 
Cody and I also have our own Instagrams. Mine's stpodphil. Now that I'm locked in my house on the weekends and can't really do much, I'm on it a lot more. Cody, you've got a couple? Yeah, you can follow my personal Instagram at Cody Zabub, or you can uh, look up my other podcast, Bumblebub Podcast, on uh, probably the application you're listening to this on right now, uh, if you're into true crime and all that. Also, the last thing we need you to do is to log on to iTunes, leave the show a five-star review, preferably written if you could. If you are a Spotify user, just hit the follow button, and then you can get uh, updates for when we drop a new episode or whatever. Uh, Otherwise, uh, great job this week, Phil, and we will return next week. All right. Thanks, guys.